Hey, good morning, folks. Uh, happy Labor Day weekend, everyone. My name is Joe Hess. I'm the Karen Connections pastor here at South Suburban. Um, uh, for some of you folks um, who don't know, Pastor Reich, he's our senior pastor. He, he's our regular preacher. He's taking some time off to be with his family. They just had a new baby little boy named Ian Timothy. Congrats to all of them, and yay, God. Um, but thanks for joining with us this morning. If you've been with us for a while, we've been studying the stories of Jesus for most of the summer. And this is the last message in that series. So thanks again for joining with us this morning. And this morning, we're going to talk about two of my favorite subjects, fishing and sheep. And we'll start out with the fishing part. And for folks who don't know, I love to fish. I loved it as a kid. I love doing it now. I don't get to do it very much now, but, but I still love to do it. And I want to talk about fishing this morning because it's something I know a little bit about, an emphasis on the little bit. The fish still win way more than I do. But as a kid, I grew up in a little town called Oakdale, located about 60 miles east of New York City on the south shore of Long Island. We grew up not on the water, but very near the water. And at the end of our road was the river, and we always refer to it as the river, and it was called, it's called the Kinequat River. The river led out to the Great South Bay, and if you crossed over the bay, you hit Fire Island, a barrier island from the bay to the Atlantic Ocean. And that's where I grew up. That's where me and my brothers and sisters, we played and lived and learned all kinds of stuff, and I learned how to fish. The river just upstream from where we lived from, from us was fresh water, and, the, and we caught trout there, browns and brookies and rainbows. Uh, the river then turned brackish, a mixture of salt and fresh water, and that's where we caught white perch and eels um, and baby bluefish in the summers um, called snappers. In the bay, we caught bluefish and weakfish and fluke and weird-looking bait-stealing fish called sea robins and an occasional sand shark, and that was always exciting. In the ocean, most, mostly on the jetties, we surf cast for bluefish and for striped bass. I know a little something about fishing. In the gospel story we'll look at this morning, we're reintroduced to Simon Peter, one of Jesus' first disciples. Peter knows something about fishing too. He's been around fishing all his life, and not just a dink around fisherman like me, he really knows something about fishing. It's how he and his brother Andrew and, and their business partners, James and John, it's how they made their living on the Sea of Galilee, catching fish. And this, and this, in this story we'll look at this morning, Jesus is asking Peter to pivot to use a COVID-19 word, Jesus is asking Peter to pivot from being a fisherman to being a shepherd, to caring for the sheep. Now, if you've read the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, near the beginning of Jesus' story, back when Jesus first called Peter to follow him, when Jesus called Peter and his brother Andrew and brothers James and John, all fishermen, when he called them to follow him, he told them to follow him and he would make them fishers, fishers of men, fishers of people. I know, I believe in my heart, they had no clue what, really what Jesus was talking about there. Now in this final chapter of John's gospel, Jesus is going to tell them clearly what that's all about. They need to drop the nets. Here's the plan. Go be a shepherd to my sheep. And to quote one of my favorite movies ever, the football movie Rudy, Jesus tells them, no excuses, do the work. And I often tell folks, I don't know anything about anything. Just so you know, that's a safe place to start with me. But I do know there's a big difference between being a fisherman and being a shepherd. And as my dad would say, it's the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. There's no comparison. And Jesus, in this final Jesus story we'll look at, he asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, 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 Lord, you know that I do. 
And Jesus says to him then, challenges them, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Again, using COVID language, Jesus is asking Peter, commanding Peter to pivot, to move from fisherman to shepherd. And we'll fuss with that a bit this morning. Before we go to John's gospel, let's go back and look at how Peter first meets Jesus, specifically how Peter meets Jesus in Luke's gospel. I'm not going to look at it, we're not going to read it this morning, but I I ask you to look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Please go back and read that when you get a chance. Peter's first interaction, his first exchange with Jesus in Luke's gospels goes something like this. They're along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a big crowd is gathered to 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 listen to Jesus along the shore. Peter happens to be there wrapping up from a night of fishing. And Jesus asks Peter if he can borrow Peter's fishing boat. He doesn't really borrow, he doesn't take it out for a spin, anything like that. He asks Peter to to put out a ways from shore and Jesus gets in the boat with Peter. Jesus, Jesus teaches from there. After Jesus is done teaching, Jesus tells Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Commercial break for a fishing joke here. Every fisherman needs to know this one. How's the fishing? Fishing is great. The catching, not so good. In this story, Peter can relate. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter is reluctant at first. Master, you're the teacher. I'm the fisherman. I know how to fish. But because it's you that's asking, I'll do it. Peter's reluctant at first tired to the bone, up all night. They were already wrapping up for the day, putting stuff away, washing the nets. But I believe Jesus taps into something that's in every fisherman's DNA. Deep down inside every fisherman, he knows, believes this deep in his soul, the next cast, one more cast, that might be the cast you catch one. Maybe even the big one, maybe the biggest one ever. You live for that. It only takes one cast. Peter does what Jesus asks him. He goes out into the deep water. He casts out the net, and Peter catches so many fish that the nets begin to break. Hey, 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 I need a little help here. And Peter yells out, calls over to his partners, James and John, and they fill both boats with fish to the brim. They're almost sinking. And then, and then Peter begins to realize who Jesus is. And he falls at Jesus' knees. He begins to recognize who Jesus is. And humbly, before Jesus, the Son of God, Peter tells Jesus, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I am not worthy to be in your presence. But Jesus doesn't go away. Jesus looks him square in the eyes. Jesus' eyes filled with the Father's love, unconditional love, and tells Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. The gospel story the good news, the heart of this story and every story in the book, in this book, it's about redemption. God's amazing, sometimes annoying, often reckless love for each of us. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Anytime God steps into our lives and asks us to do something that's way out of our comfort zone, it is scary. And we are so reluctant to go. I am so reluctant to go. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. And if I'm Peter, my first question, what the, what the holy heck are you talking about? What does that even mean? Fishers of men, fishers of people. We'll put some gospel on a hook and dangle it over the edge where the people are and say, hey, come on, come on, take it, take it, come on. Maybe when we hear from God directly, when we know it's the true voice of God, we just go. 
We don't question it. We don't need all the details. We figure that God will let us know when we need to know something about not calling the equipped, but equipping the called. Trusting the one who's in charge. And the text says they pulled up their boats onto shore, left everything, and followed him, followed Jesus. So they follow this Jesus. They walk with him. They, they watch him. They, they listen to him teach. They watch him love folks. They help participate in the story. They're sent out. They come back. They heal folks. They share the gospel. They help feed the 5,000. They witness miracles and healings and a new way of thinking. They walk with Jesus for two, two and a half years. Then near the end, they follow Jesus into Jerusalem that last week, that holy week, that week that's set apart from all other weeks. Pastor Ike shared some of the Easter story last week. Now we fast forward to the last chapter of John, chapter 21. Again, this story takes place post-Easter. And we get one more Jesus story in this last chapter. And we all know this, the last chapter of most books usually ties it all together, right? Helps us make sense of everything else. It points us, it builds to this point. Oh yeah, that's what that meant. That's why that happened. Now it makes sense. Let's see how this chapter plays out. If you have your Bibles nearby, turn to, to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. We'll start at the first verse. We'll also have the words on the screen. And, and as you're grabbing your Bible and turning to John, chapter 21, let me just give you a little context for this final story, this final Jesus story. In John's Gospel, Jesus has already appeared to his disciples twice after Easter. This is all after he was crucified on the cross, went to the grave, and then was raised from the dead on that first Easter. And Jesus appears the first time, uh, that first night, Easter night, when Thomas, doubting Thomas, he wasn't there. And the disciples later tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord, Jesus is alive. And Thomas says, no way. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers in the hole, put my hand in the side, I will not believe. Then a week goes by, Jesus Jesus appears to them once again when Thomas, doubting Thomas, is there this time. And Jesus shows Thomas his hands and his side. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, finally believes with these words, my Lord and my God. By a show of hands, anybody ever have any doubting Thomas moments? Any, any doubting Thomas seasons? Go on, put them up. Me too. From John's Gospel, chapter 21, starting with the first verse. Afterward, after these Thomas, doubting Thomas stories, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus or the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Again, fishing was great, catching not so good. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Have you caught anything? Any luck? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Let me just stop there for a second. Going back to the first time Peter went fishing with Jesus in Luke's gospel. You remember Jesus tells Peter after getting skunked all night to go out into deeper water and throw your nets in. And Peter's hesitant. He's reluctant. Not this time. Fishing all night and skunked again. This apparent stranger on the beach tells them to throw in their nets one more time, specifically on the right side. They don't recognize the stranger as Jesus. But maybe 
Maybe the voice is familiar. Peter doesn't hesitate this time. Back to the story. When they, when they did, they were able to haul, unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as, soon as Simon Peter heard from them, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. As soon as Peter recognizes it's Jesus, he can't wait to be with him. Peter goes for a swim. He swims back to shore. He gets back to shore as fast as he can to be with Jesus, his Lord. Again, back to the first time Jesus went fishing with Peter after that first big catch. Peter recognizes who Jesus is and falls at Jesus' feet and tells Jesus, begs Jesus to go away. Lord, go away from me for I am a sinful man. Please go away. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. This time, after the big catch, Peter again recognizes who Jesus is. Peter now goes towards Jesus. He swims towards Jesus. And I don't think it was any dog paddle kind of swim. It was a, it was a freestyle sprint like Missy, Missy Franklin or Michael Phelps. Something big has changed in Peter's life from his first experience with Jesus as Lord. Someone that he can't be with because he's a sinner. To this time, knowing and acknowledging that he is a sinner. And he doesn't wait for a minute to go be with Jesus. Oftentimes our tendency, my tendency in our brokenness is to push away from God. Wait till we get our acts together and then we'll go back to God, we'll approach God. What Peter has learned here, what he modeled for us here, what he demonstrates for every knucklehead out there, you and me included, you don't tell Jesus to go away. You do whatever it takes to draw near to him. We acknowledge our brokenness. We accept that we are sinners Peter knows that. Peter now accepts that. God really loves him in spite of all of his stuff. We're all sinners, aren't we? St. Paul reminds us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament, all we are like sheep have gone astray, each to his and her own way. All of us are like knucklehead sheep. We're all broken sinners in desperate need of mercy and grace and Jesus. We all need redemption. This is first and foremost a redemption story. It's our story too. And do you remember this part of the story? The night of the Last Supper, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus tells his disciples how this is going to all play out and that he's only there for a little while longer and where he's going, they cannot come. And Peter asks the Lord, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus tells Peter, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter insists, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus again looks into Peter's eyes and says, really, Peter, will you really lay your life down for me? Truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows tonight, you will disown me. You'll deny me three times. That night after Jesus is arrested, we see how Peter ends up denying Jesus. When the pressure was the greatest, Peter looked the other way, denied Jesus three times. The gospel story, the story of the cross leading to Easter, it's all about redemption, our redemption, Peter's redemption, our salvation, Peter's salvation. Easter morning, that first Easter morning, the angel appears to the women in the empty tomb. The angel tells the women, don't be afraid. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? Just a side note, biggest pivot moment in the history of the world. The angel says, but go now, go tell his disciples, and I love this part, go tell Peter that Jesus is alive. 
Peter is redeemed. Back to this morning's gospel story. The other, other disciples, after Peter swims to shore, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbs back into the boat, drags the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want to break from the gospel story, the reading of the story. Uh, I want to go to the last part of the story and I'll paraphrase. Here's when Jesus teaches Peter how to fish for people. This is when Jesus asks Peter to really pivot. No more going back to the way things used to be. And as they're finishing up breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter and asks him three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? The first time Jesus asks the question, do you love me? It's a little different than the others. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And a lot of smart people over the years have fussed with that simple word, these. What does that mean? Who or what is Jesus referring to with that simple word, these? Some think it's a reference, it's referring to Peter's friends, his old fishing partners, James and John and the others. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than you love your friends? Others think it's a relative love question. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these guys love me? Remember back to the Last Supper when Peter said he would lay down his life for Jesus, even if everybody else ran away. Peter, do you really love me that much? And still some think it's a reference to fishing. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than catching fish? Do you love me enough to put the boats in dry dock permanently, to hang up the fishing nets, to not go back when things get rough or squishy? Do you love me enough to change, Peter? to do something so radically different from what you know, so different from what you're good at? Do you love me enough to try something new, to make you way outside your wheelhouse? We all know that this, being new at something, trying something new for the first time, it can be incredibly risky, especially the older we get. It's being vulnerable. There's uncertainty and risk and exposure. Nobody likes looking like the fool, especially if your life is on the line, if your livelihood is on the line. Jesus to Peter, you guys know how to catch fish. Here's how you catch people. Feed my lambs, take care of them. Catching people, becoming a fisher of men, of women. This is how you do it, by feeding my lambs, taking care of the sheep, and feeding my sheep. That's how you love God and Jesus with your whole heart and soul and mind and strength. It's, it's how we love our neighbors. It's loving our neighbors no matter what they look like. It's loving our neighbors as ourselves. And if we're honest, we want to ask, we want to say, which, which ones are yours, Lord? All of them? All of them. All we are like sheep. All of them, all of them, we say. And Jesus says, all of them, all of them. But I'd like to specialize in taking care of only the cute, cuddly ones. The ones that show up on Easter morning and, and they're so cute you want to eat them up. Nope. You've got to love them all. You've got to feed them all. You've got to care for them all. And begin to bring the story home. 
Another bad joke commercial. You guys know what time it is when a, when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing at all. Except when James does this to me. I know it's time to wrap up. But here we go. Here's the, here's the final push. My sister Mary, my youngest sister, she is a special education teacher just outside of Atlanta. She works with severely intellectually and physically disabled students at the high school level. And I don't really know how she does it or anyone who works with those kids. I don't know how they do it. It seems so hard and is so foreign to me. My sister asked me if I would join their Zoom class this past Monday and play guitar and sing for the kids. Just play something upbeat, she said. The kids will love it. There were nine kids on the Zoom call, plus my sister Mary and a couple of teaching assistants. I came in at nine o'clock. It was 11 o'clock their time. They had been with the kids, teaching the kids already for two and a half hours. They teach them eight hours a day. My sister, Miss Mary as they call her, introduced me to each one of the kids. She shared something special about each one. Then I sang a John Denver song, Country Roads Take Me Home. And I got so stinking choked up singing the song. I could barely finish. Watching these kids respond, knowing there's a story behind every one of those Zoom squares, knowing that only by the grace of God that could be me or one of my kids. My sister shared with me later that half these kids are on feeding tubes and only two of them are independent enough to feed themselves, sort of. And most of them have some type of seizure disorder. They should all be in high school, but because they're considered medically fragile and susceptible to the COVID, they Zoom from home with a parent or helper nearby. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. These are my lambs. Some of these lambs won't make it to 30. We met Carla outside Mount Air Christian Church a couple weeks back. She's homeless, guessing her age to be in her early 20s. Carla easily could be my daughter. She's living on the street with everything she owns in a push cart. When we prayed with her, her prayer was that she would be just able to keep going. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. I think Jesus was very intentional when he challenged Peter to first take care of the lambs. Feed the lambs. Take care of the little ones. They say just one generation needs to not know about Jesus and we lose the story. We lose these Jesus stories. We lose the gospel, the good news, the hope in something bigger than ourselves. Do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep, but especially the little ones, my lambs. I'm thinking some of the civil unrest that's going on in our country and in our world. I'm wondering if these folks ever heard the gospel. Wondering if anyone ever modeled the gospel for them when they were little. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Sonny was another homeless person we met at Mount Air Christian Church. He was struggling, not so much physically, but mentally and emotionally. He was hearing voices that you and I can't hear. He's living in a world that made sense to him, but not to many of us. And Sonny was angry. He wanted to fight someone this morning. He picked up some rocks and a stick. I'm thinking this is not going to end well. He's going to punch somebody in the face. He's going to punch someone right in front of him in his face. He's ready to throw a punch. We try to distract Sonny. We ask Sonny if we could get him another breakfast. And it wasn't like taking an order at Denny's. It was more like this. Sonny, 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 Sonny. He was so wanting to take this guy's head off. We finally got his attention. Sonny, Sonny, do you want another breakfast? 
Sonny calms down, finally walks away from this guy. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Joe, do you love me? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus asks us all the same question. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. The food and clothing drive next Saturday, September 12th, here at church, it's for these folks, Carla and Sonny and a whole bunch of other sheep and lambs that look just like them. Come be a part if you can. If you've got some time and feel God tugging on your hearts, we have some needs around here at church and in our community to feed the lambs. Two real ways you can help. Love on our kids, love on our lambs, feed our lambs. One way, through our Awana program that starts Wednesday night, starting on September 16th. Come be a part of that. Another way, volunteer to walk alongside some of the kids that need tutoring help in and through North Littleton Promise. These kids mostly come from Spanish-speaking families. They need help with homework. They need folks to model the gospel. Either one of these is a great way to feed the lambs. Call the church office. Call it Tuesday, we're off tomorrow, Labor Day. Call the church office Tuesday morning and tell them you want to get connected and we'll get you connected. The stories of Jesus The stories we've shared throughout the summer, they are stories of redemption. For those of us who profess to be followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus, for those of us who profess our devotion and love to Jesus, we have been redeemed. We've been already saved. Our salvation is secure. We just need to continue to follow Jesus' command. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. I believe, I truly believe our salvation is secure for those who believe. We just need to work on our sanctification, our being made holy, our becoming more and more like Christ. This feeding the lambs and sheep thing, this taking care of the sheep thing, it's not something we accomplish or acquire and then check it off our to-do list. It's life work. It's soul work. Whether you're nine years old or approaching 90, and a big shout out to my, my dad who turns 90 in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday. Happy early birthday, Pop. If we're on this side of heaven, we all still have work to do. And I'm challenging you, find the courage to live in love with your whole hearts by feeding the lambs, taking care of the sheep, feeding the sheep that God sets before us. I promise you, you'll be, you'll be richly blessed. And if you think your time has passed by or you don't have any gifts, please rethink that. Please be open to God stirring in your heart to maybe help out, help out some way, somewhere, somehow, here at church or at home, in your neighborhood, at work. The harvest is plentiful but the workers are a few. I'm praying for more workers. To jump in and help out is risky and messy, and we mess it up all the time. Me, me too. But to not do it is even riskier and messier. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Jesus' words to Peter, Jesus' words to us, don't be afraid. Here we go. It is my honor to walk with you guys on this journey. And remember this, Jesus loves you guys, and I do too.